0: One day, a man came to Jesus and said, Lord, what's the most important um, verse in the whole Bible? What's the most important thing we can do? What's the most important commandment we can keep? And he gave them a real simple one. That we, If you've been at Great Oaks any time at all, know what it is. <laughs> it's, uh, it's called the Great Commandment. He said, the greatest thing you can do, Jesus said, is love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And um, basically, if you wanted to have a summary of what Christianity is all about, that's what it is. Loving God and loving people. It summarizes everything. Matter of fact, if we were to summarize what Scripture says and take the whole Bible and just boil it down just a couple of things, Jesus was saying that nothing, nothing matters more than relationships. Relationship with God, relationship with people. In, in, in a sense, the Bible teaches us that you can be successful at And you fill in the blank, anything else in your career, making money, in a sport, in whatever it is, but if you're a failure at relationships, that equals failure. Because the thing that's most important in our lives, Jesus says, is relationships. Really, a Christian uh, is known by one thing the Bible says. The hallmark of a Christian is not how much they know. The Bible says the hallmark of a Christian is love. Uh, Jesus says this, By this all men shall know that you are my disciple, that you love one another. Not knowledge, but but love. Now, the word for love and action in the Bible is an interesting word. It's the word called kindness. Kindness means love and action. And we're in a series talking about relationships, and we based it upon this summer, started a few weeks ago, based it upon a passage of Scripture in Galatians 5, which says this, that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, he will produce in us, and let me, let me share with you to start up with, if, you're, if you follow Christ, God promises all of you the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't see it, you may not feel it, but it says that the Holy Spirit will do something in our life. It will produce these following fruits. And then he, we, we mentioned that he mentions love, joy, peace, patience. We've already covered those. <laughs> The last four weeks, and if you want to know what we covered, go back into our podcast, go to greatoakcc.org, and, and you can listen to the podcast there online. Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness is the one we're looking at this week, kindness. Kindness means love in action. Kindness is simply love in action. When, you, when you're kind, you take action, you move. You're practical, you show love in a practical way. Kindness is so important that God sent an example of kindness to us. Guess what his name is? Jesus Christ. Um, Matter of fact, uh, Titus 3.4 uses a descriptor of who Jesus is. It tells us that Jesus is the kindness of God. That's what it says in Titus 3.4. That Jesus is the kindness of God. It's kind of a strange thing to, to talk about, but that's what it says. And Jesus, in a sense, said this himself. He says, watch me. If you want to know what kindness is, watch me. In John 13, 30, uh, 13, 15, it says, I have set you, Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. See, once you understand how Jesus is kind to you, then you will understand how you're to be kind to everybody else. So guess what we're going to do today? We're going to look at how Jesus is kind to us, and out of that, take four examples of how we can be kind to other people, what this means in our relationships Because once again, there's nothing more important than strong relationships important in our lives. So how is Jesus kind to me? That's the question. How is Jesus kind to me? Well, we're going to have four things today. The first three I'm going to go through fairly quickly, and the last one I'll spend a little bit more time on. The first one is this. The first way that Jesus is kind to me is that he understands my weaknesses. He understands my weaknesses. Um, Understanding and kindness go hand in hand. The more understanding of a person you are, the kinder you are to them. It's easy to be, you know, that's one of the reasons it's so easy to be unkind to strangers. One of the things that happens I see in life in so many, if you get to know a person better, you become more kind to them. It's really easy to, to trash, you know, it's funny. <laughs> we were talking about this a while ago. You know what's coming up real soon here at August 15th, besides my birthday? Metamora and Washington are having an alumni football game. Bless their hearts, the guys that want to do that. I mean, it's kind of like, I, I hope every rescue squad, every paramedic, everybody in the world is over to football game because I've already heard that a lot of injuries have happened in the practices for that football game. There's no age limit, by the way. So, I mean, it's going to be hilarious, I think. I think it's going to be a comedy of errors is what it's going to be. It's called testosterone-filled guys getting together. Okay, but anyway, the interesting thing about that is over the years I've noticed is, you know, is that when people, kids that get to know each other through the schools, Washington and, and Metamora kids, I 'll use those examples because such big rivals, uh, the kids get together and they become really good friends when they get to know each other. There's a lot of kids from Washington and Metamora, but a lot of, I was talking to some folks that are a little bit older. <laughs> And they're sort of like, you know, we were really Rick rivals. I didn't know anybody from Washington, you know, and this was a better person, and I'm probably sure it's the other way around. The thing is, is you get to know somebody, understand them, uh, you can become more kind to them. You don't say nasty things to them anymore, you know? See, understanding, Jesus understands my weaknesses. You don't, if you don't know a person, you don't know anything about them, when you, uh, you, you're not very kind, but when you understand somebody, you become more kind to them. You know where they're coming from. Uh, Jesus, it says this in Hebrews 4, it says, Jesus understands our weaknesses since he had the same temptations we do, though he never once gave way to them in sin. So let us come boldly to him and find grace to help us in our times of need. He's saying, it's saying this, Jesus isn't shocked when you're tempted. He's never shocked when you're tempted. Uh, When you struggle with a temptation, he doesn't think less of us because of that. You can never wake up in the morning and say, well, is God going to love me less today because I'm tempted in some area of life? No, he's not. Why? Because he says, the Bible says, he, this is what this verse says, he's already been there. He's already been tempted by everything that we've been tempted about. And you're going like, really? Yeah. So when Jesus came to earth, the Bible says he was tempted at every point. And, God, and when you say to God, God, I'm struggling in this area, he understands what that means. But he doesn't say, well, just shape up. Because he's not a drill sergeant. When you're struggling with a temptation or a weakness in your life, Jesus says, I've been there, I understand that, I know what you're talking about. Remember, I'm a human being too. It's, It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. That's where sin comes in. And it says here that Jesus was tempted in everything but did not sin. And so what does this say what does it say about how we should be kind to other people? Well, it, Galatians 6, it says this. If someone is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, and maybe you should also say you who are imperfect and godly, trying to be honor God, should gently and humbly help him back into the right path, remembering that the next time it might be one of you who is in the wrong. Share each other's troubles and problems. So here's the first way to be kind like Jesus is kind, to To do that for other people be gentle not judgmental here's the way to be kind to other people be gentle not judgmental when people are having a tough time uh, dealing with issues having problems and they've got weaknesses in their lives which we all do you got to be gentle with them Why? Because God is gentle with you, and he's kind with you. He's understanding of your weaknesses, and you're to be understanding of the weaknesses of others. That's kindness. Okay? Number one. Number two. Number two. How else is Jesus kind to us? Well, Jesus is kind to me because he tells me the truth. You're going, that's kind? Yeah. John 8, 32 says, Jesus said, said, you will know the truth, and the truth will do what for you? mess you up. No, that's not what it says. Make me feel miserable. It, it starts that way, okay? But the truth shall set you free. Jesus, lo- see, listen, Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you and me too much to let us stay there. He loves you just, some people think you can earn God's love. You can't, Jesus loves you just the way you are. So the reason it, 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 we, one of the things he does that, that shows he's kind is he tells us the truth. Why? Because it's the truth that eventually sets us free. First, yeah, it makes us miserable, but then it sets us free. We don't like to hear the truth about ourselves, do we? How many of you love for people to? Have, how many of you love evaluations? I mean, you have any of you have evaluations at work? I do. You know. Every year, annual evaluation. I get evaluated. I don't know how many people evaluate you. I get evaluated by a whole leadership team here at the church. All the rest of the staff only gets evaluated by one person, me. But I get evaluated. By, so, you know, it's always kind of like. And it don't matter if I was a 95% and everything except one thing. It's just that one little thing that I just don't like. You, got, you the same way? Because we don't like to hear the truth sometimes. But the only way we grow in life is that people speak the truth into our lives. And Jesus is that way. He levels with you. He tells you the truth. He says, he says when you're blowing it, he says what? You're blowing it. He tells you the truth about ourselves, about our motives, about our relationships. He tells us when, what we're doing is right, when it's wrong, when it's politically correct or not. One of the reasons I know the Bible, you know one of the reasons I believe the Bible and I know the Bible is true? is because it's so gut-level honest about people and its heroes. I mean, for example, if you ever read you know, historical biographies of people, you always have to take it with kind of a grain of salt because it's always written with a perspective. And that perspective usually is a slanted a little bit toward probably positive toward that person or could be negative toward that person. But the Bible is gut-level honest about it. its heroes. Like The Bible says things like, David was a man after God's own heart. Now, if we left it there, it'd be great, right? Man, what a fantastic guy. But it also says that David was the guy who had another guy killed so that he could have his wife. That's pretty honest. He speaks the truth. See, sometimes the kindest thing you can do for somebody is to tell them the truth. Growth comes as a result of feedback, but none of us is perfect, and so we all need to be corrected. All of us. We all need somebody who'll level with us. Jesus tells us that the truth in kindness and he wants you to tell people the truth in kindness as well. So, second thing about how to do it how to be kind like Jesus is this. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4:15 says, "Let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things." The way you can be kind by caring enough to one of the ways you can be care, uh, kind to people is by caring enough to confront them, to tell them the truth. Because what is it in our relationships uh, so often that you're pretending isn't a problem, but it really is, and it causes all kinds of a problems in your life, with your children, with your wife, with your, your husband, your friends. You just kind of sweep stuff under the carpet, and you know it doesn't do any good. It doesn't improve the relationship. Matter of fact, it causes the relationship to be hindered. And so people just act like nothing's wrong. But that's not the, that's the problem. That's not the kind thing, according to God's word. The truth is to level with a person and say, well, this isn't right. You know, a survey that was done um, nationally a few years ago, and it was talking about this whole thing of friendship, asked the number one, and it, and it was asking, what are the qualities you're looking for in a friend? You know what the number one quality was? Honesty. Honesty. When people were doing it in, in secret, they wanted people who were being friends who were honest with them really yeah see a real friend will tell you when you're blowing it i love what it says in proverbs 24 26 it says an honest answer is the sign of a true friendship can you get any more clear than that see a real friend tells you when you're making a mistake you know a real friend tells you you got spinach in your teeth you're unzipped whatever okay you know whatever the deal is a real friend will do that see a real friend says i'm not going to stand by in silence and watch you make the stupidest decision of your life don't do it that's what a real friend will do a real friend walks in when other people walk out see sometimes we need to hear the truth even when it's painful I mean, how many of us want to go to a doctor and you have some kind of terrible disease and you just want to the doctor to say, oh, you're fine? No, you want them to tell you the truth. As painful as it is. That's the kind thing to do. See, so Jesus understands our weaknesses so he doesn't blow you away, but he loves you more than just understanding. He also tells you the truth on how you can change. In Psalm one five, it says this, a good man will rebuke me in kindness. Isn't that interesting? Rebuke you. Don't you like to be rebuked? You're going like, I don't even use that word. I, you know, it's of somebody who tells you the truth in a, in a way. See, the difference between critical rebuke and kind rebuke, what's the difference? Motive. The difference between critical rebuke and kind rebuke is motive. When you confront a person, are you trying to put them down or build them up? What's the end game? See parents, we have to learn how to affirm the child while correcting the behavior. There's a balance there. Don't beat around the bush. You do it in a loving way, that's kindness. So that's number 2. Number 3. Another way that Jesus is kind to me and to you is that he forgives my sin. He forgives my sin. See, because he's because he's kind, he forgives my sin. My faults, my mistakes, my errors. So he is forgiving and gracious God because of his kindness. See, a lot of people have the wrong impression of who God is. I really believe this. It's kind of like the man who uh, was going up to his cabin one day. He was on a trip up to his cabin up on the top of a mountain, and he was driving along the road, and he didn't check his gas before he left, and he got about halfway there, about halfway up the mountain. He was going around a curve, and and his truck all of a sudden stalled, and he realized he was out of gas. And so he gets out of his truck, and he's trying to figure out what to do, because it's a long way up that mountain to his cabin, and he really wants to get there. And as he's, he's, he's there, Some, another person comes around the corner, runs into the back of his pickup, knocks it down the hill, down into the woods, and he can't do anything with it. And so he, he deals with that for a little while, and he's trying to decide what to do. And, he's, and the other person offers him a ride. He doesn't take no, I want to go up to my cabin. So he decides he's going to walk the rest of the way, the other two miles up to his cabin up the hill. And he walks, and as he walks up, it starts to rain, and then it starts turning to turn into snow. And as by the time he gets to his cabin, it's, he's just drenched, and he's miserable, and he's, he's sniffling, and he just, just feels horrible. And just as he rounds the bend to his cabin, he notices, and, you know, this is the craziest, one of those winter storms that's kind of like lightning and all kind of stuff, thunder, snow, I think that's what they call it. And it's, it's kind of crazy stuff going on, and all of a sudden, as he rounds the bend to see his cabin, lightning strikes his cabin and burns it to the ground. And he goes over, and he's standing near a tree, and he's beating his head on a tree, and he's going, why me, God? Why me? And all of a sudden, a voice from heaven comes down and, hears, and says to him, it says, because some people just tick me off. See, some people think that's really how God is. You think that God is out to get you. Every time something bad happens in life, you're going like, why me, God? Why me? You're, I mean, because we blame it all on God. We think God's like that. Something goes wrong in your life, we think God's getting even. Does God really act like that? Is he this grumpy grouch who carries grudges up in heaven? Is that the way God is? The cosmic killjoy waiting for you to make one mistake and go, I caught you. So many of us think that God's that way. You know, I've had people come to me before, and they try to shock me because I, they don't find you know, a pastor looked at me, and like, go like, well, I don't believe in God. And I'll go, so what? Does that change anything? That wasn't a very nice statement, but, you know, it's just the way I think, you know, like, you know, they're going to change the universe. They, well, and then I'll say something like, well, well, tell me what kind of God you don't believe in. Maybe I don't believe in that kind of God either. Because we have all kind of misunderstandings, all kind of thoughts about, about God. Have you ever thought that maybe some of the things you think about God are not true? That's why you got to go to the book of truth, the Bible, and find out what He's really like. In fact, God so deeply wants you to know what he's really like, he came to earth in the form of a man. And one of the things that Jesus taught us is that God doesn't carry a grudge. He is not a God of shame. He forgives my sin because, is it because I deserve it? No, not a chance. Not a chance. But it's because of his kindness, his kindness, his love and action, his grace. You know, as a pastor friend of mine uh, one day was telling me, uh, not too many years ago, was telling me, he, he said, you know, you know, we were talking, this is what pastors do when they get together, they talk about all the church members. Um... Not really, but sometimes we do. And he said, there's this one lady in the church, she drives me crazy because every week she comes to church, and she has this really sour attitude, and every week she comes to church and she'll say, Pastor, God convicted me of, of this sin this week, and she'll go on to explain the sin that God convicted her of. Week after week after week, and finally he just got fed up, and he says, lady, he says, he said, you know, does God ever say anything nice to you? See, some of you were raised by unpleasable parents and you've taken that image of an unpleasable parent and you've shifted it to God. And because of that, because of that, you believe He's an He's He's an unforgiving, unforgiving God. No, he's a forgiving God. That's the God described in Scripture. He is kind. And Jesus shows us how God is. Romans 3, 23, a love verse, probably a verse some of you know, says, starts off by this. says, all of us have sinned. Well, can we all agree, with on that, agree on that one? All of us have sinned, yes. Then it says this, yet now God declares us, what? Not guilty of offending him if we trust in Jesus Christ who in his kindness freely takes away all of our sins. God, because he's kind, wipes our record out, not because we've done anything to deserve it. And that's good news. Even if there were no heaven, let me tell you something. Even if there were no heaven, it would be worth having a clear conscience to receive God's forgiveness. Heaven is just a benefit, side benefit. I love what it says in Ephesians 1, 4 in the Living Bible. It says, through what Christ would do for us, God decided to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. We stand before him covered by his love. We stand before God without fault, covered by with his love. Why? Because of his kindness. Because of his kindness. The Bible teaches that before God even made you. Now, this is, blows my mind away when I was thinking about this the other day. The Bible teaches us that even before, the, uh, the, before God even made you, he knew everything you would do. You're going like, Oscar. Every evil, sinful, Thing you would do your whole life and he still made you and he still loves you that's the kindness of God so what does that say about how I'm supposed to treat other people how does that relate to how I'm supposed to treat other people God says whatever I do to you you're to do to others and it says this in Ephesians four thirty-two: be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ So how do I be kind like Christ? I'll be kind like Christ by forgiving other people. By forgiving other people. By not rubbing it in, but rubbing it out. So let me ask you a question. How do you do on forgiveness? How do you deal with forgiveness? Uh, Do you find it easy or hard or tough to forgive? Uh, Do you let it go or do you hold on to stuff for a while? Um, If you you have a tough time forgiving, maybe it's because you don't feel forgiven yourself. Because you—it's—it's it's really the, the more you know God, the more forgiven you'll understand. And so Christianity is about growing in this relationship with God, where you understand how forgiven you are, and then you have easier time forgiving other people. The last thing that that we see in the Scripture that talks about the kindness of God is this: How how else does God kind to of me? Finally, He affirms my worth. He affirms my worth. See, deep inside of us, all of us have this deep desire to feel worthwhile. We all do. And we all want to feel significant. And if we were to die, we want somebody to miss us. (laughs) We really do. That our life has meaning and significance. So much of our life is motivated to do things that you hope will answer the question, do I matter? I mean, you go out for a sport. You try to get A's. You try to get promotions, just so you can say, I matter. And and the reality is, is that so often we do those things that it doesn't really, we find ourselves still asking the question over and over again. I mean, a few years ago, there was an article, I clip articles all the time, and I now cut and paste articles all the time on the computer, but uh, uh, there was an article in a magazine, it was an interview with Madonna, of all people. (laughs) One messed up individual, if anybody was, but this is what Madonna said. This was at the height of her, of her popularity, okay? This is Madonna, a quote from Madonna. It says, I have an iron will, and all of my will has always been devoted to conquering some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I've always, I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it, discover myself as a special human being, and then I get to another stage, and I think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. Then I find a way to get myself out of that again and again. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being inadequate and mediocre. It is always pushing me and pushing me because somebody. Because even though I'm, I'm I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody in cap, capital letters, in the quote. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. Let me tell you a formula frustrate for frustration. Try to please everybody. Try to please everybody. See, try to please everybody. Madonna is setting herself has set herself up for frustration because she's on a treadmill, and she's become and and as she's on this treadmill, what she's done over the years to try to get approval of people and be worthwhile, she has done more and more and more outrageous things to keep the the attention and admiration of her fans. And I'm wondering how she's feeling now that her popularity is fading. See, the truth is, no matter, and all of you know this, but I'm just reminding you again, the truth is, no no matter how much money you make in life, how much success you achieve, how much pleasure you experience, how many relationships you've had, how many people you go to bed with, how popular or famous you become, or how many magazines you get your picture on the cover of, none of it's going to matter until you've established a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and begin to discover how much you matter to him and use that as the base of your self-worth. Nothing else is going to satisfy. You've got to know you matter to somebody more than just a crowd. So how do I know that I matter to God? Let me tell you two ways you can, how you can know you can matter to God. Number one, every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every year of every decade, God is thinking about you. Did you know that? Let me prove it to you. This is what it says. It says in the scripture up there, You saw me before I was born. God says and schedule each day of my life how precious it is it is Lord to realize that you are thinking about me constantly now we may not think about God constantly but he's thinking about us constantly right that is amazing the creator of the universe thinks about me and you're like how can he think about all these people to like that's why he's God you know he can do it he can multitask so God is thinking about you all the time. That's how much you matter to him. But number two, the thing that probably is even more important for us to know how much you matter to God is this. He sent his son to die for you. In Romans 5, 8 it says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. And in 1 Peter 1, it says, you were redeemed from the empty way of life with the precious blood of Christ. Do you want to know how much you matter to God. Look at the cross. The reason that Jesus died on a cross was for you and for me. Not because he did anything wrong, but for you and for me. God thought that you were worth dying for. And you need to understand that God has settled this issue about you. That you matter that much to him. I love the picture that it paints in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16. It says this, and that's not on the screen. It says, Isaiah 49, 16, uh, it's this picture. It says, God says, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. So, one day you can stand before Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, do I mean anything to you? And he will hold out his hands and he, with nail scars and he will say, this is how much you mean to me. I've engraved you in the palms of my hands. That's how much I love you. Every time I look at my hands, I'm reminded of you. Every time I use my hands, I'm reminded. This is a, 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 kind of, you know, a, a, a symbolic type thing. Yes, I understand that. But it's a reality. See, psychologists tell us that your self-worth is based upon what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. And let me say that again. Slower. <laughs> Psychologists tell us that your self worth is based on what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. I want to suggest that you make Jesus Christ the most important person in your life. Because nobody is ever going to love you more than he does. And if you base your self-worth on what other people think of you, then you're going to collapse when you're criticized or rejected or ignored or if they happen to be thinking about themselves instead of you, which we all do. But if you build your self-worth on the fact that God made you, he thinks about you constantly, he loves you unconditionally, he forgives you, he sent his son to die for you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you because they can't take it away, that relationship with Christ. See, when Jesus Christ becomes the most important person in your life, your self-worth source. So what does this say to me about being kind to other people? Just as Jesus Christ affirms my worth, I am, I am to affirm the worth of other people. I am to affor- affirm the worth of other people. That's how I'm kind to other people. That's the way I'm kind to other people as well. Let me give you three verses that I could give you a dozen, but let me just give you three real quick that talks about this. The first one is this in Romans 15, it says, Accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you. Now I could stop right there and talk about that for a long time, but how does Christ accept us? As we are. You don't have to get your act together, folks. You think, you know, I've heard so many people, well, you know, I'll follow Jesus Christ when I get my act together, when it gets cleaned up. Well, folks, you will never get your act cleaned up enough, me included, to be, to be uh, worthy of a perfect God. Accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you. 1 Peter 2, show respect for the people I like. No, that's not what it says. for everyone. 1 Thessalonians 5, encourage one another and build each other up. See, these are just a few verses that talk about what, you know, how, how we affirm the worth of other people. So let me ask you a question. How well do you affirm those in your life? Are you stingy with praise? Do you give more strokes or more pokes? Do you give more cheers or more cheers? Let me, let me, this is a great illustration. I saw this somewhere. If, if you were given a dollar bill for every person you affirm and God took away a dollar bill for every person you criticized, would you be rich or poor? Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One Minute Manager, says, catch people doing something right and then affirm them. See, parents... You play a key role in affirming worth. You do it by spending time, listening, pay attention to your kids and affirming them. It is the most powerful force in the world because it's love and action. Kindness can literally change people. It was interesting. Uh, if you look at, and we're going to wrap up here in just a second, the Greek word for kindness is the word uh, Christos. It's C-R-E-S-T-O-S. That's the word, Greek word for kindness, it is one letter different from the Greek word, Christos, which is the word for Christ. And you know why it's interesting? Because when the first church began two thousand years ago in the Roman Empire, they often confused Christos with Christos, and they thought that Christians were simply people who believed in kindness. It was called the kind religion. You yeah, man, what a thing to be confused with! The Ministry of Kindness, is it kind of describes, it's for every individual if you're a believer. And it's interesting to me as well that in Matthew 25, Jesus says that on the judgment day, when we come to heaven and we're standing before God in judgment, it says the one thing you'll be judged for is what? How you treated other people. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. How we treated other people is what we'll be judged in. We're not, what we're talking about here is not some minor issue. It's the heart of Christianity, love in action. So let me conclude this verse, and we're going to watch a video, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going home, okay? Hebrews 10.24 says this. This kind of wraps it all together. In response to all that God has done for us, let us outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other. So if you're going to be in competition with somebody, here's something to be in competition with them with. Not who wins a football game. Not who wins anything else. Hey, beat somebody by outdoing them in kindness. Let's have a kindness competition because that is what God calls us to do and to be, to be kind. Kind. You know, I don't know of a more countercultural statement than that right there. In a society that's absolutely self-centered, where the whole issue is what's in it for me, I'm too busy to care about anybody else's problem or need, I've got my own agenda, my own goals, my own needs, my own desires, forget the rest of the world, God says, in light of what he's done for us, let us outdo each other in showing kindness and love. I want you to watch a video. Uh, Matthew West, is, I love him. is a great Christian artist. And this song he does uh, kind of talks about this whole thing. And then I'm going to come back and pray for us and challenge us to go out and do something kind. Okay? So just watch this for a minute. The question is, who could you could be kind to this week? Let me explain something to you. I'm glad you're here this morning. But in the bigger picture of things, if you don't do what God's word says, you really don't love him. And this week, God has said to you in his word, clearly, kindness is love in action. It is doing something for someone. At home, at school, at work, a neighbor who you don't even like, a boss. Where could you show kindness? God has placed all kinds of opportunities before us every day, all around us, to demonstrate love and action. Just open your eyes. Don't live in your own little world. Population me. See, maybe the reason you're having a hard time forgiving and being kind and understanding is because you've never felt that way by God, and you need to realize how God is to you, what God wants to have a relationship with you. When you honestly capture God's kindness to you, he is irresistible. You can't get away from it. Your self-esteem is based on who you think the greatest person in your life thinks about you. Again, I urge you to make it Jesus Christ. Nobody will ever love you more than he does. No one. Some of you have been looking to other people to meet your needs that only God can. And that's why you're frustrated. Jesus says this, come to me. Come to me. And you to say, God, I accept your kindness. If you haven't done so already. So this week, I hope that sometime this week that you will slow down. And, and raise the population of, of your world. By being kind to someone next week we're going to give you the opportunity you don't have to do anything bold or get up on stage or do anything like that we're going to give you the opportunity to share in a non-threatening not and we won't know who did, that did it or who who you did it for but just way of sharing some of the stories of what, how you were kind to someone and maybe how they responded maybe you won't know how they respond <laughs> it really doesn't matter so uh, we want to do that so because we want to encourage each other to be the kindness of God, just like Christ is. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your incredible love to us. We pray that you will enable us this morning to not only understand your word, but to act upon it. I pray, God, that you would enable us to understand how kind you are to us in all these ways we've talked about today. Because your son who came to this earth, and it's a really strange description, is called the kindness of God. And so when we look at Jesus Christ, we see how you are, God, how you are to us. And God, you call us to be like Christ is. So God, in our relationships, which really is the most important thing in our lives, as we love you and as we love other people, help us to express that in tangible ways. It may be somebody in a restaurant to a waitress. It may be to somebody at work who's going through a tough time, stopping long enough to encourage them. It may be somebody in our neighborhood who, uh, who we don't know to get to know them a little bit better and then doing something kind to them. It may be somebody in our family who just needs some kind of encouragement. It may be somebody who needs forgiveness and, and we need to, to, to wipe it out instead of rubbing it in. God, just help us this week to keep our eyes open and to have your heart for the people that are around us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go out this week and be kind.